This is Technically Legal, a podcast about legal technology, innovation in the legal industry, and the impact tech is having on the law. I'm Chad Main, the founder of Legal Services Company Percipient, and on today's show, I have a conversation with Brandon Wiebe. He's a general counsel and head of privacy at Transcend. He and I talk about the nuts and bolts of data privacy plans and the role technology plays in them. This episode was a fun and insightful conversation with Brandon Wiebe. He's a general counsel and head of privacy at Transcend. Transcend is a privacy platform that helps legal and compliance teams automate data privacy tasks so they can stay compliant with data privacy regulations. I say it was a fun and insightful conversation because Brandon gives some real-world practical advice about implementing privacy plans and how to utilize tech in that process. Brandon explains that most data privacy laws like the GDPR in the EU and the ones in America like California's CCPA generally require similar things to companies, that they provide notice at the time they collect data from consumers and customers, that they implement data security obligations. These regulations also require that the companies have a lawful basis for collecting the information in the first place, and that the information they collect is really used for the purposes they say they are collecting it for. And most importantly, these regulations provide a right for customers to opt out of the collection and sale of their data. Despite the many data privacy laws that are already enacted, and it seems like there's a new one popping up every day, Brandon is quick to emphasize in this episode that in-house legal and data privacy teams should not let perfect be the enemy of good, and they got to get started somewhere in implementing data privacy policies. Brandon says the best place to start is a data map of a company or organization. A data map should show all the places in the company's tech stack that silos information and data that's subject to these privacy laws. And that's where his company's software comes in, Transcend. Transcend is broken up into several functions. It's got a dashboard to monitor the data a company's collected, It's got a security perimeter that protects the information that's coming into the app. Importantly, and we'll talk a lot about this, it's got a data mapping feature. And also, it helps companies take in privacy requests and monitor them when consumers request their data. Brandon also touches on why AI can complicate data privacy efforts, but he also notes that the technology itself can help. And that's why Transcend's working on tools in the AI realm. All right, so let's get to it. Let's get started and find out why Brandon became a data privacy attorney in the first place. When I was at USF, they offered a data privacy course that I took there. And this was back when there was no GDPR. It was the EU privacy directive still. And in the US privacy law, the course started going through uh, uh, privacy torts, um, which are a long forgotten part of privacy law and and sort of working the way up through the sectoral laws that were on the books, GLBA and HIPAA and, and those sorts of things. But it caught my interest. And I thought there might be a there there. And coming out of law school uh, in private practice for a bit, even while I was there focusing primarily on IP, a part of the practice was privacy focused. And we, we were pretty comprehensive outside counsel for startups. And so there was a piece of that that was wrapped in. And it kind of became a common thread in every subsequent role that I took on that there was always some portion of the practice that fell back onto privacy. And whether by design or by fate, it ended up being sort of a, a, a cornerstone of my practice uh, throughout my career. How do you make the switch officially? How do you go from being a, you know, what we think of an IP lawyer doing trademarks, copyright, yeah. patent, what, what have you. How do you make the switch into being a full-on data privacy attorney? I think it's different for everyone. I will say... Most of the folks in privacy these days 
did not start off in privacy. It is still so young and nascent of a specialty that almost everybody has made a switch. I think we're starting to get to the point where there are some young lawyers out of law school that are focused on this right out of law school and it's their sole practice. So how you make the switch, I, I do think is different and possible for anyone. I do think for most folks, learning technology first and beginning to understand the nuance of the products and the use cases for why companies are collecting and processing data is a good first step before just learning the regulations and jumping into that. I think understanding that context is, uh, is really helpful and important uh, if you're going to want to make that, that full pivot. So obviously, helping these startups, that must have helped you. I mean, you were in tech yeah. and you're kind of in that environment. I assume that that helps you get there. So with Segment, you announced the Segment. Was that your first official data privacy job? I would say it was the first job that privacy was in the title. So <laughs> uh, I had done, before I went fully in-house, uh, very briefly spent some time at UCSF Medical Center working on HIPAA. Uh, privacy and investigations. Uh, and that was sort of a quasi-legal uh, investigations role. And so I cut my teeth there. Um, but uh, the first time I really scaled a privacy practice at a technology company um, was at Segment. And it was actually my second job at Segment. My first one was commercial. And then again, you know, the same pattern, I ended up getting drawn into privacy and product counseling because there was a need and an opportunity in the business at that time, took that on and built that team. Did you get drawn into that type of work when you were in the commercial job because you had that background and, or they just needed help and you were yeah. the first person they saw? Well, I was the second attorney at Segments and when I came in, it was a generalist role with a heavy focus on commercial because that's what you know most startups at that stage need. And so I built out that process and that team. But as we hired more attorneys, I think we're up to like five or six at that point. We got to the point where we all kind of had to choose our majors. Uh, there's always that inflection point for growing legal teams. And there was an opportunity to stay with commercial um, and build out that. But there was also an opportunity to start an entirely new product and privacy counseling team, which is not something we had at the time. And I always get excited about building and scaling something brand new from whole cloth. And so when that opportunity opened, I jumped on that. And so, yeah, again, sort of drawn back either by design or by, by love of the practice. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so Sabin gets acquired, right? That's correct. So we were acquired at the end of uh, 2020 by Twilio. And then when you moved to Twilio, which we should point out is how best to describe it. I mean, it's an app that provides multi-factor authentication, the ability to do that, you know, how to communicate with, with people via various channels, text messages, email, et cetera, phone. How best to describe the Twilio? Yeah, so Twilio is an organization that was built on a technology that helped programmers interact with phone networks. So you have old phone networks and carriers and their technology that does not speak well with the way that uh, web programmers and developers are building their apps or websites. And so Twilio was the technology to sort of bridge that gap. Since then, they've added a lot of additional channels and focus. So they acquired SendGrid, an email marketing provider. And then they acquired Segment, which is a customer data platform, which is where I was. And so now they sort of run the gamut on customer engagements through a variety of different channels. So when Tulio 
acquire segment, you still maintain this privacy role. What was your official title at Twilio? Actually, at, at Twilio, they had both a privacy team and a product counseling team. And, you know, as far as acquisitions go and, and integrations go, it really couldn't have been better for me. Um, they gave me the opportunity to choose whether I wanted to do privacy and focus on that or whether I wanted to do product counseling. And I raised my hand for product counseling and I actually ended up being a lead product counsel on a number of Twilio products there. And I chose that because I've always been more of a generalist and uh, enjoy having the opportunity to dig into IP and privacy and commercial and regulatory and all of the different things that touch on a product while staying really close to the technology and the product and engineering teams. So I ended up actually working on that product counseling team there. But there is a significant element of privacy Huge, yeah. baked into development of a product, right? Absolutely. And for anyone who is looking at product counseling as a potential career path, if you're working at a technology company or really any company that is touching customer data in any meaningful way, a large portion of that practice is going to be privacy and you're going to have to be conversant in that. And so how does it happen that you come to Transcend, your GC there, how does that happen? So I was at Twilio for about a year after the acquisition. I really enjoyed the role, but it was a much larger company than Segment was. And I've always sort of found myself drawn back to uh, startup life and building something out of the chaos. And, and Twilio had 100 plus attorneys at the time, whereas I had come from Segment, where I think we had around seven at the time of the acquisition. And so I was just getting that itch again to uh, find a a startup role where I could help build the team. I wasn't sure that it was necessarily going to be the first lawyer or the lead lawyer um, at the organization. I was looking at some other roles as well. And I had heard about Transcend before because they had spoken with us at Segment and had talked about some of the technology we'd built at Segment as they were thinking about building their product. And so I talked to the, the CEO there and got a demo of the product. And I was blown away both by the people there, the leadership team, as well as the state of the technology and how impactful it would have been if I had known about it when I was building the privacy uh, program at Segment. If I had had my hands on that, I, you know, I, I felt like we could have gone much faster and it had a huge uh, value proposition to us. So uh, after that conversation, I was basically all in. How big is Transcend's legal department now? How many people do you have working with you? You are listening to the Transcend Legal Department. So uh, we're a Series A company, and we have me as the sole in-house attorney. I am lucky to have some really, really good outside counsel that I work with on areas where I'm not an expert. And, um, you know, I, I find out daily uh, how, how long that list is, but it's super exciting. And I'm sure, you know, as we grow in the next couple of years, we'll expand. But for right now, it's just me. You already mentioned GDPR. Then there's the CCPA, the California kind of, for lack of a better way to describe it, version of GDPR. And there's new data privacy laws. Um, you spring it up every day in other states. Tell us a little bit about those. At a high level, what is required of organizations under these regimes? And then what other laws that may not be as known as GDPR, CCPA, and those types of regulations? What other laws out there should GCs and in-house legal departments, compliance teams, be thinking of and be aware of? Because this might be new to a lot of people, a growing company like your own, yeah. who don't have the expertise, right? It's an excellent question. And it's a really complex and tricky one. I'll start with, you know, we have 10 new uh, U.S. comprehensive state 
privacy laws that have sprung up since CCPA was passed originally and, and, and went into effect in 2020. All of these are some version of either a GDPR or a CCPA style law. And so the typical obligations that are common through all of these are that businesses must provide a notice at the time that they collect data. They usually have to implement some sort of reasonable data security obligations. Under GDPR, they have to have a lawful basis for collecting the information. Many of the U.S. laws, collection and use of data has to be compatible or consistent with the stated purpose. And so if you collect data and then you use it for a different purpose down the road, well, you have to go and provide a new notice and give folks an opportunity to opt out. There are also a variety of data subject rights. So the right to opt out of the sale of your data um, to a third party or the right to opt out of what CCPA calls sharing of data. Some other laws call it use of data for targeted advertising or behavioral targeted advertising. And so there's different variations and nuances amongst all of the state laws. CCPA, as amended by CPRA, I think still tends to be the high watermark for these in the U.S. Some others I would keep in mind if you're going through the analysis and doing an assessment of, of what you need to comply with. I would keep Colorado in mind. And that in particular is because that is one of the laws that allows the attorney general to promulgate implementing regulations under the law. And so there's a little bit more enforcement freedom and nuance in that. And we expect Colorado to be a little bit more active in, in their enforcement. Virginia is also a good one to look at because it hews pretty closely to California, but there are some unique differences in there. One of the reasons this is complicated is if you're in a business that serves folks online, as many businesses are, and you start in the U.S., are you going to set up a privacy program that complies with every single state law based off of where your users come from? So you give some rights to Virginians that are a little bit different than the rights you give to Californians, or are you going to just choose a high watermark and be as comprehensive as you can, uh, giving rights to everyone? I've seen a lot of businesses sort of take a universal approach. So they'll have like a U.S. version of their privacy program and an EU-based version of their privacy program. But that's something that, you know, you should dig into and do that analysis in some detail um, before deciding what makes most sense in your contacts and your business. When we come back, Brandon explained how his company's software, Transcend, helps users create data maps to figure out where data resides throughout an organization, how technology can help with consumer requests for their data, and how AI will help with privacy efforts, but it might also complicate it. I'm Chad Main, and this is Technically Legal. We need to do more with less. That is the key takeaway nowadays from almost every survey of in-house counsel. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if you actually could do more for less? By combining legal expertise and technology, Percipient enables legal teams to get more work done for less. Buried in contracts and sales is frustrated with turnaround time? We can help with that. Did you just get hit with a subpoena and reviewing 100,000 documents and files will tax your resources or cost you a small fortune in billable hours? We can help there too. 
our team of legal professionals leverage tech and project management principles with the right amount of human oversight to deliver precise, efficient, and cost-effective legal solutions. Whether it's legal operations and contract management support, subpoena compliance, or document review, Percipient is your partner in really doing more for less. Percipient. Legal services powered by technology. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Brandon Weeby, GC and Head of Privacy at Transcend. You mentioned the product and its capability and you wish you had it prior. Give us the elevator pitch. You know, what does it do? It does, it does several yeah. things all related to privacy, but to those listening that may need this, you know, what does it do? Yeah, so I'll talk first of all about the technology itself, and then we can talk about some of the use cases that that can help solve. So at its core, Transcend is a technology that stitches in to an organization's technical layer or their tech stack and gives the privacy and the legal teams control and access and oversight over uh, that personal information that's flowing through a business. The reason that this is a little bit different than some of the other privacy compliance solutions out in the market is it really is focused on being a future-proofed and automated version of how organizations can control and have oversight over their data. Historically, a lot of solutions out there were very manual. And so I'll give one example, one use case, and then we can dig into some others if you want. Um, but on the data mapping side, which is a process that every organization that wants to build out a privacy program has to go through. And um, this is the process of identifying what data you have, what systems you have, and why you're processing it. Um, they have to sort of go historically team by team and ask the team leads, so what systems do you have? Uh, and then they get a list, you know, Salesforce or Marketo or whatever they happen to be using. And then they ask, well, why, what data do you have in those systems? And the system owners will list it out. Okay, well, why are you processing it? And they fill out, you know, a spreadsheet. And they do this for the whole company. And it takes forever, I know, because I did that when I was at Segment. And then as soon as you're done with the process, it feels like it is out of date almost immediately. Transcend takes a totally different approach where the technology is baked into the company's architecture and their systems so that it can automatically scan what databases exist. It can classify the content in those and very quickly and in real time sort of build you a data map. And from that, there are a whole bunch of other uh, use cases and opportunities that compliance teams have and can exploit from having that technology sort of baked in. Kind of a real world example of this, if I understood it correctly, when I was looking into the product, you can direct it to your website, your marketing website, and it will sniff out all the third-party applications that you're using on your website, tell you, all right, here's the places you need to think about that are collecting data. That's kind of one of the ways this, this data mapping feature works, right? That's exactly right. So when we do data mapping, that first step of data silo identification, there are a whole bunch of sort of nexus points in a business that are likely to be connected to a lot of the different systems where data resides. One of those is the website. So, you know, websites are oftentimes the point of collection and they can directly collect and send data to third-party marketing tools like Facebook or Twitter ads or things like that. There are also other nexus points like a single sign-on provider like Okta or OneLogin. Uh, 
those are typically stitched together uh, with a lot of the different apps that a, a business might have or use to process data. So looking at those, we can very quickly get, uh, we can scan those and get a very good uh, insight and list of where personal information might reside in a business. So let's talk about Okta for a minute. So as you mentioned, it's a tool that you can use for a single way of logging into the many different apps your business uses. So is the way Transcend works is you connect it to the API with Okta and it goes in and sees all the tools that Okta is connected to because there you go, there's your tech stack almost, maybe everything, right? Is that how that part of it works? Yeah, so it's that plus a few other pretty clever ways that the, the business has come up with identifying some like shadow IT that might exist. So the concern is that a team procures a, a new tool and puts personal information in it without going through the process they should and never connects it to Okta. Well, then how do you solve that? So there are some other ways that we do this as well, where we look at um, your code base, we look at your AWS, we can see what's connected uh, in a variety of different areas and get a much more comprehensive view uh, beyond Okta. But Okta and uh, OneLog and those types of tools are a really good first step. Okay, so the point of this data mapping is to figure out where you're storing information about your customers because under these data privacy regimes, and there seems to be a new law coming out every day, you have certain obligations. Consumers have certain rights. Individuals have certain rights to get and to understand what information the company has. So once you make this data map to figure out where everything is, how does Transcend help you use it? So step one that we talked about, this data silo identification figures out where you might have personal information. Um, step two is to actually connect each of these systems and then Transcend will classify the content in there and say, uh, we see first name, last name, email. We see an identifier that looks like it might be personal information. And that content classification gives you the much more comprehensive view of what is actually in there and, and why it's in there. After you have that full data inventory, then you are able to do a much more comprehensive gap analysis of uh, what privacy regulations must we comply with because uh, this is the data that we're holding or processing. And then you can use Transcend to stand up the ways of complying with those various obligations. So you mentioned data subject request rights, a number of the laws that are out there. DSRs. DSRs, yeah, exactly. A number of the laws that are out there, GDPR and, and CCPA, but we now have 10 additional U.S. state laws beyond CCPA, have an obligation for businesses that are processing personal information to respond to individual requests to either access their data or delete their data, and in some cases rectify their data and change errant information that, that a business might have. So doing that is, from a, a technical perspective, really complicated. One way to do it is, you know, you set up a, an email inbox and you get an email from an individual that has the request. And then all of your different system owners have to go in and delete information from all of their different tools. Uh, it takes a long time. Uh, the way that Transcend works is we've actually integrated out of the box with, uh, you know, 1300 plus common SaaS tools and databases so that when a request comes in, uh, we already have the logic built in to go into these systems and perform that delete request uh, on the organization's behalf. So Transcend is actually doing it. That's so correct. So let's say you have information in Salesforce. Yep. And the consumer says the request have it deleted. Transcend will actually 
send a call to Salesforce and say, hey, delete this stuff? That's right. As you mentioned earlier, we leverage API integrations sort of built out of the box in order to handle that. The cool thing is the data mapping process that you go through with Transcend actually informs how the privacy request process is going to run. So when Transcend finds new personal information in a database, a new email address column or first name column, it will automatically bake in the SQL function that would be required to go into that database and perform a delete or an access or, or whatever it is if one of those requests came in. I assume, too, that Transcend will help you kind of keep track and keep tabs on the status and the number and, you know, the types of DSARs you have? That's right. So there's a comprehensive dashboard that shows these metrics. It gives teams insight to see sort of real-time what requests are coming through. It's also really extensible and configurable. So a lot of things that come up with DSARs tend to be in the area of when do we want to say that we're not going to respond to one of these? Or when do we want a litigation hold to override the ability for someone to delete their data? And so baked into this process is this sort of pre-flight check where a request comes in and it has to pass through a series of logic gates and questions before that, that request can be fully processed. And that's all configurable by a team based off of their internal policies. And I saw, too, that there's also a consent aspect to the software, too. It helps you get the consent you need to have this information about consumers and data subjects. How does that piece work? Yeah, so I think we're very familiar as folks exploring the Internet on uh, the sort of consent banners that pop up from time to time, uh, these cookie consent banners. What's interesting is that those banners oftentimes are only dealing with cookies because there's a, a rule under uh, EU law called the e-privacy directive um, related to GDPR that says that you have to get consent before you can drop a cookie, basically a little JavaScript snippet on a web page when somebody's browsing. But the number of different types of trackers goes substantially beyond just cookie technology. There are uh, something like 200 plus different trackers out there that can be tracking information on, on your browsing activity. And so what Transcend did in building this consent tool is to look at the data that actually flows out of a web page um, and look at, look at the network traffic and the calls that a browser is making rather than just looking at code that's getting executed. And we find this to be a much more comprehensive way regulating traffic that is coming out of a browser. And so we have built something called AirGap, which regulates this traffic and then has to allow that traffic to pass through a logic gate. And so for jurisdictions where you need a certain level of consent in order to track different types of information, you can configure the interface, the user interface, the banner that pops up to match that jurisdictional requirement. So in the you know, EU, they may have an opt-in regime. In the U.S., there may be an opt-out regime. Um, and so uh, in any case, you know that whatever that uh, regulation is or whatever that logic is, it's going to comprehensively handle all of the traffic that's coming out of the browser, not just one particular tracking technology. So you've already mentioned that if you don't use software, all steps in this process from starting data mapping to 
comply with DSARs and deletion requests is pretty much an untenable manual process. So beyond that being the reason to use software to help with data privacy compliance, what are some other reasons that GC should be wanting to use software outside of that, that it makes it just automates a process that might not be workable otherwise? So the way I think about it is historically, other teams like the marketing team and the sales team have gotten a lot of technical love from a variety of, of different organizations, SaaS companies, and, and the volume of data and the complexity of data that the tools that were built for those teams are sucking up and processing is enormous. And a lot of those tools were not built with the idea that at some point in the future, there would be regulation that would require a business to um, delete data when they received a request or access data or put together an access report. And it has gotten to the point where the volume of information processed by a business is so overwhelmingly enormous that without technology, I think compliance is probably impossible. You might be able to get close, but you run the risk beyond just you know being fatigued and burned out and spending a lot of cost uh, on your team doing this manually. I think businesses do run the risk of falling into a non-compliant pattern if they are not adopting some sort of scalable technology here. The other point that comes up a lot is regulations change really, really fast. And I've seen a lot of businesses set up manual processes based off of what the laws are right now. So a little snapshot in time and they say, so CCPA as amended by CPRA requires us to do A, B, and C. Here's our policy internally of how we're going to handle these types of requests and these obligations. And then next year, you know, the California Privacy Protection Agency comes up with new regulations and they have to rewrite how they're going to handle this. And the process changes and it becomes really hard to turn the ship when what you are doing to comply with uh, these regulations is so uh, manual and static. When you have a solution that is stitched into the technology and um, helps businesses actually get into that data layer and execute very basic functions like search the data, delete the data, allow the data to be written because we have consent, those very basic uh, sort of technical functions you can very quickly just change the logic over the top of that as a new regulation changes without having to rebuild your entire uh, process. So future-proofing, I think, is a huge upside to adopting any sort of software technology uh, in the compliance space. And the bigger point there, too, is you know historically, marketing and the other departments have more software, they collect a lot more data, they get more resources. And also historically, legal compliance, the privacy or you know, the chief privacy officer, they've had to rely on others in those departments to actually figure out what data is there, right? So this using software brings some level of control or at least understanding of what's out there to legal, to compliance, to the chief privacy officer, right? They could know what they're up against and not have to rely 100% on others who may not come from a legal That's compliance 100%, background right? to understand yeah. the the implications of these regulations. For other teams, privacy and responding to the survey request that they got from the legal or privacy team just is not going to be the highest priority for them. They're incentivized differently. Their jobs 
focus on different things. And I think a lot of the teams that I've worked with cross-functionally usually have their heart in the right place. Everyone gets privacy. It's fairly personal and easy to actually explain to other folks because they can understand themselves the benefit of privacy on their own lives. But when it comes to, you know, producing the work to help legal teams comply with regulations, it just becomes a lower priority task compared to the other things that these teams are doing. It's a pain in the ass too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, not, it's not fun. It is not. It's not fun. It's, not, it's tedious, right? These sorts of technology solutions, as you say, give the legal team and the privacy team direct line of sight into what's happening without having to bug their colleagues constantly, right? So it frees up resources as well as uh, gives a lot more visibility and control. So I couldn't have a podcast episode in 2023 without touching on AI. We've got to mention I AI. I'm surprised so. you haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> I waited, I waited. So, but there's two things. Like, So number one, it's going to help. AI will definitely help when it gets baked into a product, but it's also going to complicate things. So let's start with the latter. How do you foresee AI complicating compliance with data privacy regulations? You're absolutely right. So it is going to add a a lot more complexity to the compliance process. I think there's a couple areas. So one is the complexity of data flows and some of the nuance of generative AI technology, particularly LLMs, uh, and how they process and retain or don't retain personal information gets pretty complicated pretty fast. So I think that's, that's one piece, and we can talk about that a little bit. I think the other piece is that there are a whole variety of risks that generative AI presents beyond just privacy as well, or that are privacy adjacent. And privacy professionals, I, at least what I'm seeing in the market, is they're increasingly being called upon in businesses to be the compliance managers for uh, artificial intelligence projects that, that businesses are, are taking on. But the scope of that mandate is broadening far beyond just privacy. Just as a quick example, like you can think of an AI system that processes zero personal information, nothing in its training model, nothing in its input, and not producing anything in the output, but still presents significant risks because the sort of stuff that it's spitting out is false or hateful or you know any of these other, or biased, or any of these other risks that we see uh, AI systems presenting. And so privacy professionals are going to have to find a way of balancing and identifying and mitigating the privacy risks as well as all of the other risks presented by these systems. I know Trent says working on a product that will help kind of get your arms around the AI that your company's using. So how is Transcend going yeah. to help deal with AI? And how can AI itself help this process? Great question. So we are looking at a couple of different areas in helping organizations govern artificial intelligence systems. We've seen a lot of companies, large sort of Fortune 500 companies say things like they are going to block the use of OpenAI uh, LLM uh, internally at their company because they don't feel confident that they can get their hands around these systems and manage these risks in a meaningful way. I think there's a couple things that businesses can do to get more comfortable and confident with AI systems. And the first one is organizational measures to help guide your employees and teach them about 
uh, technology. So doing an AI risk assessment on new systems is a really good way for businesses to analyze the potential risks of systems, document that, and then make informed decisions based off of the technology and what's actually happening as to whether they're going to move forward with that project or not. And so Transcend has an assessments tool uh, that historically has been focused on privacy impact assessments, which are an assessment that's required under a number of different laws. We recently rolled out an AI system risk assessment. As I was saying, it, it sort of broadens the scope of the risks that are analyzed beyond just privacy and looks at other things like bias and transparency and those sorts of considerations. But beyond organizational measures, just like we've seen in privacy, I think the businesses that are going to be able to move the quickest on adopting these new uh, AI systems are ones that are going to have a technology solution in place. And so we've been working on a tool at Transcend uh, called Pathfinder, which is a technical solution that sits between an organization's tools and their use of LLM technology. And it gives compliance teams uh, sort of governance and oversight control on the inputs and outputs that are flowing between these. So we're taking a very similar approach to what we did with data mapping in the privacy space, which is step one is really knowing what AI systems you have, what, what systems are connected to your business, and give you that sort of insight and control and ability to see uh, what's happening so that you can make more informed, more um, risk-thoughtful decisions about whether to adapt this technology. So you brought up two things there, like two difficulties in creating and enforcing and, and maintaining a privacy program. Number one is you got data from all locations. In fact, there's probably not a company out there that isn't overlooking some data somewhere, someplace, because it's just, it, it's probably impossible to know every wick of data you have. So you got that problem. You get your arms around a lot of information. Number two is, to your point you just said there is, you're potentially, most businesses nowadays in the internet age are subject to however many data privacy laws are out there, right? Yeah. That they're probably selling to somebody in that state if they're having any, you know, depending on the product and modicum of success. So knowing those two challenges, what's the first step a GC or a privacy officer or a compliance to take to even start to, to put a process in place, to put a program in place to kind of try to comply? I think this is where a lot of folks get stuck in the process is they look at all of the laws that are out there and all the data they have, and they say, this is overwhelming and there hasn't been a lot of enforcement yet, so I'm just going to sit and wait. Uh, and I would caution strongly against that approach. I would say, overall, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good and get started somewhere. And where I'd recommend starting is with a data map. So knowing where your data is and why you're processing it is going to be the first step to assessing what compliance obligations you actually have. And so a tool like Transcend can help with that. You can do this process manually, but it's going around to all of your systems and seeing what data you have, uh, why you have it. And then once you've done that, asking, do I need all of this? Are there opportunities for me to actually collect less data or purge old data that I don't need? I think a lot of attorneys who tackle this problem early on think that they are going to be 
met with resistance from the rest of the business in uh, doing this process because everybody wants more data. But I think there are some opportunities to actually leverage projects that other teams are doing to help move your privacy compliance along. I'll just give one example, which is oftentimes the security team and the engineering team will have projects around knowing where uh, security vulnerabilities are um, based off of the sensitivity of data. So that would be the security project and reducing hosting cost. That would be the engineering project. And so if you can identify data that you don't need anymore through a data mapping exercise, you can help save the Eng team some money by getting rid of data that's sitting on, you know, AWS or Google Cloud that you're paying for hosting, you know, month after month. So I do think there are some synergistic opportunities to work with uh, these other teams and, um, and save money, but also move the compliance ball forward. And who says legal is a cost center? There's some value right Absolutely. there. Brandon, appreciate your time. If people want to get a hold of you, learn more about Transcend, where do you want to send them? Yeah, so you can find Transcend online at transcend.io. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm B Weeby on LinkedIn. That's W-I-E-B as in boy, E. Okay, that's a wrap for today's episode. As always, we really appreciate you listening. If you want to subscribe, you can find us on most major podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, etc. Also, if you like us enough, I hope you leave us a favorable review. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, this has been Technically Legal.